Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It is clear that you are down. Don't let the same fate fall you as has so many men before you. Never. There is no physical escape, just the one in your mind. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me and I will finish your training. With our combined power, we can end this destructive inner conflict and bring order to your mind. I'll never join you. I'll never let you in. I can't trust you. I've been worried about you. You make people weak. You make them vulnerable. Luke, I am your therapist. Look, you can literally see my diploma right over there. My name's Rob. This is what this place is. It's it's for, it's for healing. I mean, come on, like, why is everyone always so freaked out by me? What's going on, everyone? And welcome to Life's Wreck, the podcast where I, Kyle... And me! What? What in the actual fuck was it's, that? It's my Yoda voice. You know, I'm getting in on the Star Wars theme, am I? Please stop. Okay. It, it hurts my throat anyway. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the that's Yoda. That's the personification of my uh, mental health. Uh, who's got a lot friendly over the past few years, which is which is great. Yes, the master I am. I don't know about that. How <laughs> so? Like, all of this is me. Well, I mean, I'm the one who put in all the work. Yes, but only because I let you do the work. Oh, that's kind of interesting. The idea that your mind lets you heal it. Hmm. Touche. Yeah, and this episode's filled with them, so, you know, might as well start now. Like I was saying, this is Life's Wreck, the podcast where I, Kyle Moore, blah, 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 uh, in the personification of my mental illness, explore the world of mental health through the shared experiences and stories of special guests. You know, it's not a bad listen. You know, we're kind of we're masters at this whole podcasting thing. The master joke, because this week is mastery. And the Star Wars Yoda reference, you know, little... <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, I know, but pump my tires later, eh? Let's do some uh, little housekeeping yes, first. Yes, of course. Uh, shout out to our boy Rob Shaw for the wonderful uh, inspiration behind this week's podcast intro. Uh, and ever so conveniently, for Rob's shout out, he's also a member of Tether and uh, and he wanted to shout it out. So, hey, me, have you ever heard of 
tether. Well, golly gee, no, never. Tell me more. Well, it's this peer support social network for men. For men, you say? But men don't have feelings. Gone are those days, my friend. Tether is a community for men who just get it. Get what? Well, the importance of community and mental health, of course. Now, this all sounds like a made-up place. Well, I bet it costs thousands of dollars to buy your way into such a space. Now, what would you say if I told you it costs not a penny to access this incredible space? Well, I'd say you're a f***ing dim-witted for brains. Well, get those bleeps ready because you can download it for free on the App Store or Google Play Store today and set up your profile in less than five minutes. Well, color me pink. That was fun. I God, I like promos. It's it's nice to be doing them. You know, you feel you like a grown-up podcaster. You know? And if you guys want something shouted out on the podcast, uh, check us out on Instagram at Podcast or at Morsey. We throw it up on there as well. Uh, the Tuesday and Wednesday leading up to the podcast and answer the question box on our story. It's just that easy. So, buddy, I, I think we got to get into this episode. Oh, dude, absolutely. No, this is probably like, this is probably to date one of my favorite episodes, um, for sure. I, I'd love to hear why, because I have some commentary. Oh, that's new. Yeah, I, I'm sure you do. Um, I mean, first of all, anytime that you can talk to somebody who works with uh, Olympians or Fortune 50 CEOs or, you know, the greatest football team on the planet. <laughs> Go Hawks. 12th man till we croak uh it, it's pretty cool you know but uh more than that i just i admire our guest today um dr michael gervais he, like his work is incredible like so this interview really put a lot of my work into perspective for me like I, I, for instance i'm a kid like i am 22 years old but i'm really proud of the path that i'm on and that i've been smart enough to seek out people like dr gervais and just chat and be there to listen to these people um, to let my curiosity lead me through a conversation, but to understand when there is a lesson to be learned and to be open to that. You know, I'll be honest. I was kind of going to rip on you, like crack a few jokes about how you stammered a couple times and sat in silence and we're like, um, mm, you know, trying to find the right words or use the wrong words. Um, but what I can respect is that you left all of that in. And it's a very authentic conversation. And oh, I like that. Absolutely. There was definitely a few times editing this that I was like, just like, oof. yeah, exactly. Like just making that face you make when you bite your tongue, you know, just kind of like that little, uh, little pursed lips like you <laughs> ate something sour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but through all of that, there is humor and wisdom. And, you know, you could argue there's a little bit of mastery in this podcast. So without further, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'd like to introduce you guys to our guest today. Dr. Michael Gervais. As a sport and performance psychologist, Dr. Gervais is one of the world's leading experts on the relationship between the mind and elite performance. Over the course of a 20-year career working with world-class performers and organizations, Dr. Gervais has developed a framework for the mental skills and practice that allows athletes to thrive in pressure-packed environments. Something that I love the most about Dr. Gervais' work is that his influence can be felt across so many different touch points of popular culture. Uh, his clients include the Seattle Seahawks, amazing, world record holders, Olympians, internationally acclaimed music artists, Fortune 50 CEOs, and MVPs from every major sport. Dr. Gervais is the host of the popular Finding Mastery podcast that explores the psychology of the world's most extraordinary thinkers and doers. Dr. Gervais created an online masterclass for the mind and co-authored the recently released Audible original, Compete to Create, about how to train the mind. Dr. Gervais holds a doctorate degree in psychology, specializing in sport performance, and a master's degree in kinesiology. 
He completed his PhD under the mentorship of Dr. Bruce Ogilvie, often referred to as the father of American applied sports psychology. It is a pleasure to share my platform and community with him. Dr. Gervais, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? Good. You know, it's all, I, sound yeah, like yeah, my, yeah. I sound like my 12-year-old right now. Uh, I was cool today. Yeah, dad was good. <laughs> Silence. Uh, you know, I, and I mean that, is that I will say this, is that I say that with a sensitivity because um, the last year has been really hard for a lot of people. And um, some people have made a lot of money and have done really well and awesome. And some people have really struggled. And so I, I say what I feel, um, you know, today's a great day and I'm aware of how much I'm grateful for and I get to experience in life. And um, I'm also mindful on the other side, like this is a hard time for a lot of people. So I say good with an asterisk, meaning that mm-hmm. I, I want to um, honor my experience and then also not be insensitive to the, the condition that many people are struggling day in and day out. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough year all around, like you noted. I mean, um, I was somebody who graduated university in the pandemic. This past year has been, uh, you know, I had my dream internship. I had all this stuff kind of going for me. And then obviously with, uh, you know, money being tight in a lot of situations, moved back in with my parents. Definitely not how I imagined my first year out of university being. Um, but uh, I, I think that what I've learned this year, and I, I'm sure what you might have seen as well, is that mindset has played such a monster role. Uh, in my life this year, this idea of taking the uh, taking the lemons of life and somehow kind of trying to work them into lemonade. Um, if you were to talk to those people directly who are really going through it right now, um, with that sensitivity and that mindfulness present, um, kind of like what advice would you give them surrounding mindfulness and surrounding um, their mindset? Okay, so first order business is let's let's say cool that you had a place to you know rest your head you know that's yeah. cool yeah 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 and, um yeah i just want to like not everyone has that so it's cool totally yeah. the, other, the other bit is let's actually be um precise with our language so mindfulness and mindset so mm. mindfulness is a way of being present you know on purpose and doing it without judgment and critique you know it's a unique and particular way to each individual to be here now And mindfulness is a skill. It's a state of being. And over time, it becomes an enduring trait where you literally have trained to be more aware of your thoughts, your emotions, your body sensations, the unfolding environment around you. And so mindfulness is first and foremost an awareness training so that you Mm -hmm. can be in the present moment more often. Now, why is the present moment so important? Is because that's where high performance is expressed. And it's also where all things that are true and beautiful and good and amazing are experienced. Mm. And most importantly, it's where wisdom is revealed. And so the present moment is the keyhole. And when you train being able to be in the present moment, you widen that keyhole. And it's amazing. I, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where people that I work with would be if prior to 2020 that we hadn't invested in inner skills, you know, psychological skills. And so it's as if the tide, you know, went out and Mm. I don't know, like 70% of people are like, Ooh, 
we realized that they weren't wearing any clothing, <laughs> you know, like right. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they're not ready for the, you know, hard sun on their skin. Mm. And I say that like endearingly because where do you go train your mind? Where in the Western world, let's just do the United States for a minute. Where do mm. you go train your mind? And it's reserved for quote unquote shrinks. I'm a, I'm, by training, I'm classically trained as a psychologist with right. a specialization in high performance. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not going to answer your question about advice. I'm going to be really precise about the language that we use because mm-hmm. please, yeah, please mindfulness training is available. And when you become more aware, you end up knowing yourself better. You know how your thoughts work. You meet yourself mm-hmm. and you understand how your thoughts and emotions work together. I can't imagine. <laughs> I cannot imagine. And reference point for you just really quickly is that I'm fortunate to work with the best in the world across multiple Mm. disciplines. And if there was like this golden thread about how they, meaning the half percenters work, they spend a lot of time in the present moment. Mm. They are able to lock in even when it's consequential, even when it's rugged and drive their mind into the present moment and then let go so they can be on time with the unfolding present moment. And that, my friend, is hard to do. And it requires training. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to pose your own question back at you. Where do you go to find this training? Where do you train? Well, so this is one of the gifts of the accidental gifts of 2020 is that mm. psychological skills or psychology is on front street. So there's only three things you can train as a human. You can train your craft, your body, and your mind. The best in the world are not leaving their mind up to chance. They, right. they really haven't for decades and decades. But the rest of us kind of have. So they have a unique advantage is that resources are poured into high talents. Right. Now let's call it a sporting team or whatever. So they would have folks like myself on the mm-hmm. team, you know, like a sports psychologist or whatever that are there to bolster and reinforce best practices from an evidence standpoint. So where do the rest of us go? Yeah. Well, you don't get it in grade school. You don't get it in high school. You don't get it in college. You kind of used to get it from uh, religious frameworks, but not really, Mm. you know, Um, Mm -hmm. not really. You would get philosophical positions and you would get practice for spiritual development, but not necessarily concretely down the lane of training the mind. And then we've had some problems over the last, let's call it decade with formal institutional, anything and everything. And so there's been some real challenges from, from that for, for people. So where do you go? Sports psychology is now at this really exciting intersection where they're like one place you can go, this is like a shameless plug, but with coach Carol, the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, we built an eight week online mindset training program. Mm-hmm. so that you can train the psychological skills so that you can have the most effective, the most optimized mind for you in whatever endeavor you're in. And um, kind of feel like we hit the sweet spot on price and it's awesome. So that's one place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sports psychs out there. They're rather expensive, um, mm-hmm. but that's how you go get a customized um, right. program. Yeah, And then the other is like you kind of, cobbled together from good readings you know good books um Mm -hmm. that is harder to do 
for a lot of reasons. One, it's written for the general and you're not a general, you're a unique mm -hmm. and of one. Mm -hmm. And then the other is like, it's hard to do this work because it's invisible. Right. Um, and that's, I think one of the reasons it scared people for so long is the mind is invisible mm -hmm. and we are visual and we are concrete sensors, you know, as mm -hmm. humans. And yeah. what do you mean you're gonna talk about the mind? Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gravity is invisible too. But we see the downstream effect of gravity, just like we see the downstream effect of a high quality mind or a mind that has, you know, some holes in it, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's interesting because from what I've seen, we are becoming much more aware um, in this high performance space of the importance of it. Kind of like when did that kind of start that movement start to happen where it was like, you know what, I'm seeing what's happening on the field, but maybe that another echelon kind of lies in something that we can't see. Well, I think if I hear your question, it is when did, when did people outside of elite sport start to go, ooh, training the mind? Yeah, give me some yeah. that. Yeah, okay. I think it was a couple of things. One is the science, the study of the psychology of excellence has come a long way in the last 10 years, 15 years. Mm -hmm. So it's a relatively new science. So it's come a long way. That's cool. So best practices in the laboratory are finding that intersection between what's actually happening in the field. So there's, you know, it's a little bit more sturdy of a science that way. Hmm. And I'd say probably 15 years ago. So I've been at this professionally for about 22, three, four years, somewhere in there. And early in my career, I couldn't find a professional athlete or coach that wouldn't nod their head up and down to the question, is the mind important? Oh, oh yeah. You know, typically it's something like right. this level, like at the pro level, it's like 90% of the game. Everyone here is mm -hmm. technically sound, physically, you know, solid. Yeah. So the mental part and say, okay, so what are you doing for it? You know, to head coach or what are you doing for it to star athlete? Mm -hmm. And they go, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> so like, now, well, yeah. Now yeah. when I ask that question, <laughs> they go, oh, you know, in college, we, we had a sports site. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're doing, um, we're doing meditation. We're doing self-talk work. We were doing recovery work. We were doing breathing training and, 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 you know, all of that's deep focus training, you know, right. mental imagery. And I can keep going down the list, but, and so it's becoming more available that way, but to succinctly answer your question is that the greats started raising their hand, the extraordinaries, mm -hmm. you know, like Carrie Walsh Jennings you know, one of the greatest volleyball player ever raises her hand and said, yeah, I'm going to train my mind. Felix Baumgartner. Right. These are all folks that have been public who I've worked with. Felix Baumgartner, mm -hmm. who jumped out of space at 30, at 130,000 feet, you know? Uh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm training my mind. Another project I worked on with Luke Aikens jumped from 30,000 feet into a 16 story net that he built without a parachute. <laughs> I remember with, seeing that. Yeah. yeah, no parachute. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm training my mind. You know, mm. um, we see people like Alex Hanold. Alex was on the Finding Mastery podcast. What a fun interview that was for me. And we see him talking about, oh, mental imagery. Oh, yeah. When I climbed El Capitan, 3,000 square feet or 3,000 sheer feet without a rope, without harnessing. Oh, yeah. I'd done that thing many times before mm. I actually did it. That's right. That's mental imagery. Right. How about this one? So, Bob, Bob, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think you'll like, no, 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 please. Yeah. Bob Bowman. Um, so he's the coach of uh, the legend, Michael Phelps. 
And so Bob Bowman was also on the Finding Mastery podcast. And he says, um, he goes, let me tell you a story about Michael and imagery. So this is prior to the 2008 games where Michael won everything. I mean, talk about. So they would do imagery a lot. Mm -hmm. And so Bob described it this way. He says, Michael wanted to create every scenario that kind of could go wrong. So like Mm -hmm. what would happen if his short, if his uh, bathing suit ripped off, what would happen if his goggles flipped off? What if they filled with water and they stayed on? Mm -hmm. So he was doing about an 80, 20 split. And on a parallel path, I was doing about an 85, 15. I'll explain this, these percentages in a minute with, um, with cage fighters. So I was doing 85, 15, Michael was doing about an 80, 20. And actually I could be wrong on the 80, 20. So I need to go back and check, but it's somewhere in this range. Right, right where I'll stick to me for a minute. So it was 85% of the time with fighters, we are doing success imagery. Mm-hmm. And then 15% of the time doing adversity imagery. So oh, okay, I see. Yeah. the athlete putting themselves in an adverse situation and then mm-hmm. sorting out how to figure it out. And so Michael Phelps, back to the story, he says, um, so they would do imagery where his goggles would fill up. Mm. And so he could be prepared for that too. Sure enough. 2008. There you go. Yeah, it happened. Goggles filled up. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. part of the story, but he couldn't see a thing. Mm. He couldn't see a thing, but he had already been there. He had already experienced the optimized response to that. Dude, that's what. Listen, there's a language that happens in the thin herd. There is a language that is not unfamiliar to anybody in the thin herd. Mm-hmm. And that language seems foreign to so many. Mm-hmm. Here's part of that language. They, the half percenters, have made a, fundam- a set of fundamental commitments in their life. First principles. What are your first principles? They know theirs. Right. What are the skills required to be about it? And at the same time, be incredibly clear about what the future holds for you. So it's this idea of vision casting, you know, imagination, reimagining what, what is possible. Mm. It's holding first principles in place, like mm. fundamental commitments, mm-hmm. and then having the mental skills to be about it. Because you're going to face adversity. You're going to face challenge. The tide mm. is going to go out. You know, do you have the proper gear to weather, you know, sun on your skin? And so anyways, lots of metaphors and fun stuff in there, but that language is built (laughs) on, on some of that stuff. And that most people don't make those fundamental commitments. And um, I wish we would. What's that? It's tough to say, because I don't want to make generalizations. I think because obviously with everybody, it's going to be different. But if somebody is looking to take that, okay, you know what? I, it's, it's a self-discipline thing. I am, I'm locked in. Like where, where do you even start? Okay. So one place is, so let's go back to, um, first principles. Right. Um, you know, this is, this is like, seriously, like an eight week conversation to do this right, you know, and we're going to do it in 80 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, have a, have a philosophy, develop your personal philosophy for life. What does that mean? I mean, 
it's just being rock solid, clear about what are the principles that matter most to you. And then what that does is it provides almost like a bumper or a North Star mm-hmm. to line up your thoughts and your words and your actions against those first mm-hmm. principles and against what you imagine is um, the future could be for you. So it's right. where do you start? Right. Mm. There's only three ways I know to do um, to get clarity on first principles write a lot and answer the question like what is my personal philosophy mm-hmm. and looking at that blank page hmm. that's daunting yeah that's it is absolutely it's daunting the second but you got to write and then eventually maybe yeah. you get it down to something like 12 words mm-hmm. you know, I, and i say to athletes i work with like hey you want to get be able to get this out at knife point mm-hmm. you know are you that clear that you're down at knife at a knife point type of moment in the back alley that in some deranged person said, I'm going to get you if you don't tell me your, your, um, your philosophy, mm-hmm. could you get it out? Wow. And then, and then one step further, could you live it while you got it out? And so that's, so that's one way. The second way is a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. So you're just learning about how your thoughts work and what mm-hmm. thoughts matter most to you. And then the third is, if you can, be around wise men and women Mm. and um, listen and learn and grow and like be part of that, a relationship where um, it's not transactional. Mm. And if you're fortunate to have a mentorship with a wise person, oh, wow. (laughs) And sometimes you pay for it, you know, like it's a a psychologist that you work with. And sometimes it's a, maybe it's a um, spiritual leader in your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's like down the block happens to be one of the wisest people in the world. And, you know, you buy them a coffee and they love spending time with you and it's this mutual yeah. give and like, that's cool too. Mm-hmm. For you yourself, what I'm getting, well, first of all, I love the world of the mind. It's something that for so many years of my life, I ignored, I thought that it was just something that, uh, you know, I had a bad brain and I was just one of the unlucky ones who just had a bad brain. Um, but as I started, whether it was this podcast and started to, to meditate and think about what was actually going on between my ears, like just the idea of what our brain is not only capable of, but what it controls in our day to day, I find just unbelievably fascinating. So to hear you talk about the full scope of kind of, uh, that, that high performance philosophy, to really kind of like live it under pressure is unbelievably interesting to me. Yeah. And then can, can I sharpen one thing for you though? Please. I, I'm, I, I haven't talked about the brain yet. So you brought in the brain, bad brain or whatever. Right. We're not talking about the brain. We're talking about the mind. Okay. And um, they are embedded and nested in one another. You know, it's like a hand glove mm. thing, but if I could oversimplify for just a minute to try to create more space like it's as if the brain the tissue in that sits in your skull that three pounds of tissue that sits in there billion neurons you know like that is the hardware and Mm -hmm. the software is the mind most people um makes a lot of sense yeah it's not quite that clean you know right but but it's it's a nice way to think about where you can invest Mm -hmm. so you can invest in your brain by sleep, 
by being a learner, by down-regulating stress, by eating well, by hydrating well, by feeding macro and micronutrients. That's how you can invest in the brain. Mm-hmm. By being present more often, by being in loving relationships, you know, um, how do you invest in the mind? Well, the mind for most people is a bit like a junkyard. That software mm-hmm. is patchy and buggy and unconditioned. I mean, just get radical in investing in your software. It, it, literally, it's like a junkyard for most people. So um, yeah. knowledge is not what programming is. Practice creates programming. Practicing mental skills training, clarity of your purpose, clarity mm-hmm. of your philosophy, and then practice it every day. That's how you start conditioning. I, I read something the other day that was talking about the difference between motivation and self-discipline um, and this idea that motivation might fire you up for a day or a week. But that idea of self-discipline and practice is what sets you up in the long term. But the idea of changing your lifestyle can be a really intimidating thing for people. So they'd rather watch a 15 minute video, get hyped up, go do their workout, do that once a week kind of thing. Where does, where does one have to be to actually say, all right, this is, this whole thing has to change. And how can one not be afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid of the whether it might be the possibility that you fail and that you feel like a failure because you couldn't stick to a routine or just, yeah, I think that would kind of be. Okay. So is it about fear of failure or more on motivation commitment stuff? Do you have time to touch on both? (laughs) Because I feel like they are very separate things. They're related. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's do, let's do fear of failure. Um, Yeah. And if I could, um, sorry to cut you off, if I could kind of like layer this on top. Also, when you're working with high performance athletes, that idea of truly imagining the worst case scenario, is that intimidating to some of those high performance athletes who you work with or high performance individuals in general? Yeah, no one. I mean, I think that uh, it's a cool question, dude, is because let's, let's address something head on for a minute. Mm-hmm. is that um, the secret, you know, and like <laughs> psychology, if you see it, it will happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, dude, I can't find the research on that. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that there's an inherent fear of entertaining uh, like negative performance or, or, mm-hmm mistakes or something with this fear that, well, if I see it, it will happen. Mm. All right. So let's just kind of square that up. But then if I double click to get to your question, there is yes, there is that hesitancy. And then, but the course correction on that hesitancy for, for many is, Oh, wait, hold on. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Let's practice. Let's get a couple reps in of seeing how, if that were to happen, how do I want to respond? And so that low cost, no cost mental exploration is actually quite rewarding for many. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's actually built on what anxiety naturally is. Anxiety is an excessive worry about what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so this is now just purposefully solving what could go wrong in your own mind. And again, we're only doing it 15% of the time. The other 85, right. we're seeing ourselves just be you know, badass. Yeah, yeah. And so um, now let's kind of stitch that together to 
fear of failure. And if we operationalize failure, instead of the thing happened or the thing didn't happen, I'm a failure or it failed. Mm. The way that I like to think about failure is it, it's more, um, it's more personal than that. So mm. for me, failure is the way I define it is the inability or the unwillingness to go for it. Hmm. So if I have all of the capabilities to really give, give it a shot, give it a go. Right. And then I hesitate. Damn. To me, I know what happened. Mm-hmm. I know that I was at the precipice and I didn't, ha- I didn't really have what it took. I only trained my craft and my body, but I didn't properly balance the training of the mind. So for me, that's failure. I think that's a beautiful way to look at failure. Yeah. So I am afraid of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also totally in control of that. Right. And I'll tell you why I'm afraid of it. Because if I live yeah. my life missing moments, and I miss I miss my life. You know, so you know you know exactly what it feels like to be in a moment and to um smile it away to stutter it away nothing wrong i you know i I stutter my way through things all the time but like to be in a moment and to really hesitate Mm. i think that that's way more painful than going for it and coming up short yeah absolutely so so that's how i think about it you know and um i mean we're talking i I think that's i think that's fantastic yeah yeah yeah. I, i don't think that's a um it's not a commonly held belief and i yeah, I hear my sports science friends and my statistician friends going, uh, hey, dude, <laughs> failure is when the thing didn't happen. Right, right. It's right. too complicated. But I can have a personal best and come up uh, short on the world stage, but it's mm-hmm. my personal best. I don't call that a failure. Right. If, if I was fortunate enough to be an Olympian, which I, I'm not, um, and I swam my fastest time ever, and I came in mm-hmm. seventh but it was the best I ever did. And I did it at that competition. Hot damn. Pretty special. Yeah. Not a failure, you know? So anyways. Yeah. And I think that that's what I love so much about that is this idea of, it almost seems like kind of taking that proverbial step back and actually like it just, it, it's it, that self-appreciation of just like the work that's been done. Okay. Um, and to to truly appreciate a moment is to understand what led to that moment in a way um is kind of like how yeah. i'm interpreting that a little bit you know it is it's the story inside the story inside the story that makes it right sweet you know and yeah yeah you and your loved ones know the 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 story um if you really, if you have a true community and i fear that most people have um lost that depth of true community because mm. you know they want to look good rather than be connected and so um what do you define as community um you know there's like it's like con- concentric circles and so you know you are the pebble in the pond and you're that first ripple that's that intimate group you know you get that thing right. It's really special, dude. People ask all the time, like, what are the whatevers of, you know, the best in the world? And yeah, um, 
I, I, I'm now, I'm, I'm answering a little differently and I'm saying just a really radical, deeply connected, intimate relationship, you know, with one or a few that you're able to really have those special experiences with. And um, it doesn't mean you can't like the Dalai Lama or Jesus or Mother Teresa. She had that intimacy with hundreds, thousands, the world, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to teach that. I wish I did. But so I can think a little smaller. And I know that like my relationship with my wife. Poof. Um, so I wish that on people. Yeah. No? Like I, I, I really wish that. And I think it's a really important part of the. Um, pursuing potential mm-hmm. hmm. i feel like you very much and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you very much love people yeah no, no. yeah I, you know i can be really intense sometimes i feel like i'm in intense mode right now and um, i'm fascinated by people and my heart yeah uh, um i think that the words fall far below to the way I feel um, in life. And I, I love music for that reason. And I don't know if, do you know Cat Stevens, the musician? Yes. So that line, I listen to my words and they fall far below. <laughs> that resonates with me. And so I do love people. And yeah. um, I love just how quirky we are. <laughs> I love yes. how sensitive and guarded. And I love how complicated it is. And I love wisdom. I love when humans are able to make the complicated simple and that shit is rare. It's so good. And it, you know, we're at a surface level. We're captivated by it when we see, Oh, you know, Michael Phelps and LeBron James and, and, and do something complicated, make it look simple, but that's Mm -hmm. just the surface. That is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now the human anatomy is beautiful. Um, But what about the psychological anatomy? Whoo. That stuff is dope. A whole different story. It's so good. Incredible. And when, you, and when you blend those two, that is really what um, I am. I, I I am really intrigued by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did that intrigue start for you? I was fifteen, and uh, there's a there's a moment where, um, you know, I didn't quite fit in with the uh, traditional stick and ball sport crew. And so I found myself, like, I didn't like the artificial rules of traditional stick mm-hmm. and ball sport and the arbitrary language that coaches were using to try to help kids be better. It's like, it, it all felt very odd to me. And mm-hmm. so I found action sports. And so mother nature was the teacher and she was honest, you know, um, in surfing, if you, you know, you find yourself in a wave of consequence and you hesitate or you haven't properly trained. Um, and you're held under, that's honest, you know, and like held mm-hmm. under, like, uh oh, I mean, there's some honesty, in that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it just makes, yeah. it, I hope everyone has those types of experience where they can get really true. And so that's where I came up, but there's two types of surfing and one was free surfing. And it was like mm-hmm. that hardcore, put yourself in a condition of consequence. Don't talk about it. Don't brag about it. Just feel it and experience it. Right. Okay. And then there was competitive surfing. And that was judges on the beach, friends and family watching, critiquing, judging, mm-hmm. celebrating, all that. And um, I could do the, the, the free surfing bit. But then as soon as it would flip over to competitive surfing, 
I was a mess. So I didn't have my physical and technical training was fine. But my mental training was non-existent. And so mm. I was so riddled with anxiety that I had this moment where I said, Oh, I get it. Like, um, this lightning bolt moment and a competitor paddled by me and there was only three of us there in the water. It was a competition and it was glassy conditions. So it was about head high waves. Sun was just kind of getting warm. It was about like eight in the morning and he paddles by me and he says, he was an older gentleman, you know, like older is at that point, like probably 30. Yeah. 20, no, like 20 something. And he's oh, like, okay. <laughs> he's like, Gervais, I surf out here every day with you. You're a mess. He says, you've got to stop worrying about what could go wrong. And he just paddled off. And I thought, how does he know? <laughs> you know, that's yeah, all, that's yeah, all yeah. like, oh my God, that's it. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I was like, how did, yes. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't provide any kind of solution, but he left me sitting out there like a <laughs> competitor. And he says, uh, and then, so I said, okay, well, that's not working. Let me flip the script on it. What if I started thinking about what I want to have happen? And that was like my first introduction to like, oh, I can guide my mind. And so that just set me down a path. And a few years later at my university, you know, when I was actually studying psychology, my thinking of psychology was that it was the study of the dysfunctional part of human behavior, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of disorders, if you will. But then I found this brilliant science of the, of the psychology of excellence. And I was like, no one had to ask me to read another book. Mm-hmm. A, a true obsession with it. And so that's how it happened. I love that. So let's talk about excellence um, for a few minutes because you have a podcast, an incredible podcast, which I very much enjoy called Finding Mastery. Thank you. Um, So I want to hear, I can't say enough how much I truly feel like we've talked for 37 minutes at this point. And I feel like I've gotten, you know, that eight weeks of training already and I can't, and I just want more. And I'm just like, I'm I'm hungry for more. I want to hear in your words, what defines in your mind mastery? It's a, it's a hard question to answer because, and I've been asking that question to, I think we're 360 interviews, you know, 90 minutes an interview. So it's a, Mm -hmm. it's like they're rich conversations and they're with the extraordinaries, you know, some of the best thinkers and doers on the planet. And I pushed all of my transcripts through a, um, a natural language processor. So basically an artificial intelligence or machine learning processor to, mm-hmm. to understand what are these brilliant minds saying from an organizational kind of uh, themes and streams and insights, applied insights. A working definition of mastery did not emerge. So I can tell you not what the masses say about it, but I can tell you what I'm putting together is that... Yeah. Here's, here's one way to think about it. Mastery recognizes mastery. So game recognizes game is, what's, yeah. is what was folks say. So when you can see something and you understand, even if you've only touched it a few times and you can see it in others, that's part of the way you know what it is beyond the words that I'm about to share with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you already have a sense of it. The working definition that I have is that um, mastery is the artistic expression. I'm sorry, the, uh, the ability to artistically express oneself on command 
across any condition. That's mastery. It does not mean it's perfect, but they can artistically express themselves on command across any condition. Mm -hmm. And it is marked by a pursuit and a path, not a destination. Mm -hmm. And it is marked by a relentless commitment to get to the truth. Hmm. An uncommon commitment to get to the truth. High performance is just underneath of that. And mastery is a step up. It's uh, wow. it's the true rare, rare space. Yeah. I very much just kind of want to like almost sit with that. Um, yeah, but I do want to also provide uh, the people listening to this podcast with as much information as we can in our short time. Um, you talked about, uh, you said the word perfection in there. Perfection is something that uh, I owe, I have had a very interesting relationship with throughout my life where I thought that that should be the standard. And I almost kind of like sold my soul metaphorically uh, to, to create this character that was perfect while underneath mm-hmm. things were kind of falling apart. So I think that a lot of people and I myself included would group previously before kind of all this, this mental health journey, whatever would group the idea of mastery with perfection. So how do the two differ? Yeah. Cool. Cool question. They are orthogonal in, in the pursuit. I don't, I mean, I'm being broad sweeping with this generalization and I can think of some folks that are, they are masters of craft and they are haunted by perfection. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's not in there, but when we look at the bulk of people that are masterful or on the path of mastery, they've let go of perfection long ago. They are looking to precision with the nuances, artistic precision with nuances. They are speaking a different language. They're playing in the frames between the frames. And so um, the space between the space, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us are kind of watching the ball be hit across the field or across the, the, the net, if you will. And they are working at a whole different frame rate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I see it. I understand it. And um, if you ask yourself why perfect, it's usually for um, this unsettled need to be accepted by others. Mm-hmm. And it's usually not an honest, I, I, I want to experience perfection. It's usually not that. It's usually something else that is um, unhealthy and mm. uh, unfulfilling. So mm. that's, uh, so I, hey, how about today? I just signed a deal with Harvard Business Review to write my next book. That's amazing. And Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I just signed it. I'm super stoked. And it's on this topic. And, really? Yeah. And so it, it is not about perfection, but it is about um, the relentless pursuit of approval from others and how mm. just how, you know, the Instagram world has really created this, <laughs> you know, thing for us. And so it's yeah. just an empty meal. And we're going to talk about maybe some anecdotes for that empty meal. Hmm. Empty meal is a good way to describe it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you for all this. This has been, uh, this has probably been one of the most um, impactful personally interviews that I've done. I feel like I've gotten a lot out of this. So you know, from, from Kyle Moore to, to Michael Gervais, I want to thank you for that. Um, how can people connect with everything that you're doing? Uh, you know, you did, you, you talked about a shameless plug at the beginning. I want you to shameless plug all you want right now. 
Yeah, no, no. I, I think like it, I say shameless earlier, but I really, it's such an integration into what I'm doing. So yeah. um, it's the water that, you know, I drink, it's the air that I'm breathing. And so there's a podcast, Finding Mastery. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's you know, weekly drops and it's thoughtful conversations with the extraordinaries. We're not looking for hacks. They don't exist. So we're just mm-hmm. kind of getting to the truth of it. It's awesome. There's so much brilliance inside of this conversation. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is my best work to date is the online course that I built. And so it's an eight week mm-hmm. online course. And um, I just basically, you know, we pull back the curtain and we show you exactly how world's best train their mind. So you can do the same thing. And we, it's gone through two filters. It had to work mm-hmm. in the laboratory and it must work in the um, alpha competitive environments that I've been fortunate enough to spend time with. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that is a, um, it's a solid bit of work. And then um, I've got a book, you know, um, but you can find all of this, the course, especially on findingmastery.net forward slash course, but findingmastery.net is where you can find all of that. And then I love being on social. I have a good time with it. And yeah. so, you know, it's a, it's a way for me to stay connected to folks. And um, we've got a tribe also on Facebook. It's called Finding Mastery Tribe. Mm-hmm. We've got thousands and thousands of people in there that are supporting wow. and loving each other up and kicking each other's ass about like being great. And yeah, so yeah. Um, finding Master Tribe is a cool way to, to, to be part of it too. That's incredible, man. I Listen, I'm usually not a big course guy. I think you might have, think you might have sold me. I, yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to check it out at this point. Yeah. <laughs> this oh, sounds great, man. Yeah. Um, the last question I have for you is at the end of every episode, I like to give out a challenge to my listeners, um, something small or big that they can implement in their day, week, month, year, whatever. Um, what is a challenge that with the, given your experience that you would put forth to help people live a healthier, happier, more fulfilling life? Yeah. Well, one, the same psychological skills that are required in exact environments are also the same psychological skills that support wellness, well-being, psychological health. There's no separate bag of tricks. You know, there, first of all, there's no tricks, but there's no separate bag of skills. And so um, here's one that I would pass on. I'm big on this right now. Um, the science of compliments. Mm. And so if you just played with complimenting three to 10 people a day, three to 10 compliments a day, if you make, if you pick a number that feels like a, a challenging strike zone for you, um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the downstream positive impacts of doing that. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's so simple. So simple, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I could get, he- I mean, rewind, rewind what we talked about would be, Number two, number three, number four, number five, you know, practice. Right, right, right. But yeah. That's great, man. I love that. And, and honestly, a fantastic challenge as well because, and, and honestly, coming from you, I think it makes sense because as we've discussed, you love people. Yeah. And that just seems like a great first domino to kind of kick down to, to see where it goes. And That's you, awesome, man. And you know what? Nobody else, nobody does it alone, Kyle. Nobody does mm. this alone. And so we need each other. Absolutely. For sure. I think that's uh, that's a great place to to end our interview today. I honestly, I thank you so much for for taking the time and spending it with me and, and my community. And uh, yeah, any th- way that uh, we can ever support you, don't uh, hesitate to let me know. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for including me. I can't thank Dr. Gervais enough for uh, sharing his time with us today. Um, Dude, I, <laughs> that was incredible. Let's uh, let's get into it. I don't want to waste any time. No, absolutely not. Wow, it was uh, 
I mean, come on. To date, one of my favorites for sure. A hundred percent. I just want to start out with, wait, just give me a little second here. The artistic precision of nuance. Amazing. Like, come Yeah. When I heard that, I, I felt like, uh, I felt things just like firing in my head. Just an hour. Okay. Not the time. True. Like, it's funny because Dr. Gervais has a way of explaining some really complicated nuances with an ease that makes them seem super understandable and not, like, daunting at all. I feel like a good teacher just does that, though. And come on, his course. Like, how is it? Yeah, I mean, you're me, so you knew that I got it. Uh, I, I started yesterday, and I already love it. Like, I'll, I'll give an update on the next episode, but if you want to keep up with Dr. Gervais' work, um, you really should check out Finding Mastery on Apple Podcast. Or head over to FindingMastery.net to connect with all of his work and socials. Love it. Uh, I, I don't know about you, man. I just want to tie this one up. No, put, a, put a nice little bow on it and uh, let the interview speak for itself on this one. Yeah, I like that. Uh, guys, I really appreciate you being here with us today. If you like this episode and want to keep the conversation going, all you have to do is hit us up at Life's Rec Podcast. Message you well. Say the thing. Say the thing. A wreck life is... <laughs> See you guys in two weeks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.